to worship on this Trinity Sunday. We welcome you who are in this kind of warmish building and uh, those who are worshiping with us online. Trinity Sunday, and I bet most of you woke up this morning pondering over your Cheerios. Oh, I sure hope the pastor does a lengthy explication about the Trinity and maybe even uses three or four winsome analogies that usually break down if you think about them at all and sometimes even bump you into heresy. So I'm sorry to disappoint because that's not going to happen because Trinity is really mystery and I think it's fitting actually on a day such as this to engage our imaginations as a portal to faith. And we have a couple of ways that I think that'll happen. One of them I will talk about briefly now and then a little bit when the time comes. But our first reading today from the very first chapter of Genesis is really a poem. And it has rhythm and it has refrains. And I'm going to speak the refrain that you will eventually be joining and repeating after me as we do the reading today. It goes like this. And God saw that it was good. You look prepared already, so I think this is going to be just a, a wonderful uh, adventure for us. One that allows us some poetry, but there's a goal. And that is to help us think about what God might be like. And to think about creation itself and how we treat each other. So. There is indeed method to poetry. Oh, better yet, there is indeed method to our meter. Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 28th chapter. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but they doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Won't you be seated? grace and peace to you from the creator who calls it all good from Jesus the one who promises to be with us even to the end of time and to the spirit of God who brings us together to be part of a great cloud of witnesses bearing testimony to God's love it is good to imagine and I'll probably encourage it throughout the service today, in the prayers, in the creed, certainly now. That is one portal to faith, you know. 
The priestly writers invite us into imagining, imagining what God might be like. Imagining what creation might be like. Now, it does need to be said that nobody was actually there except God. So nobody was transcribing and preparing a technical manual for us to develop a model of the cosmos, right? Here's a shocker. There are two different accounts of creation in the beginning of those first five books. And guess what? They're out of order. And they don't match. And I love it. Because each has its own beauty, its own harmony, and they're really not designed for us to figure it all out, but they're designed for us to get glimpses of God, to get glimpses of ourselves, and to give thanks for this creation, which is so very, very good. Chaos. That's the word in Genesis. Imagine there's no form, there's no purpose. That might be asking us to imagine infinity or to imagine nothing, which that's a little more than the brain can handle. So thankfully, Professor Vanessa Lovegrace, she's at Lancaster Seminary in Pennsylvania, also a Star Wars geek, and that does matter in what comes next. She specializes in Old Testament and Hebrew language, and when she speaks about this chaos, she draws on a Star Wars movie, The Attack of the Clones. Maybe you've seen it, but if you do some YouTube investigating, which some of us did, there is a scene where Obi-Wan visits this planet Kamina, and the planet is just this swirling, wet mass of just mess. The inhabitants build artificial structures to shield themselves from the chaos. Now, into this, Professor Lovelace quickly puts back on her Professor of Hebrew Languages hat, and she tells us that that spirit, that wind of God that we think maybe gently blows over creation does not go gently. It's fierce. It's gale force. It's like, oh, I don't know, Pentecost Sunday powerful. Huh? Imagine this now. This powerful gale force spirit of God crashing and colliding into chaos and bringing about order and beauty and harmony and rhythm. I have to confess, as I was reading, I wanted to look up more. But when I did, I noticed that you were really getting into a rhythm, that the parts that Jennifer read had repetition, they had rhythm, and then that was interposed with evening and morning and God pronouncing it all good. That does something. It kindles the imagination. And, I think, 
for a good and holy purpose. So imagine, borrowing a beautiful phrase from Dr. Walter Brueggemann, imagine and let it be part of biblical imagination then. What about this spirit of God that comes rushing in? Where does it go and what does it do? Think about the Red Sea dividing in two as a people take their very first steps from slavery into freedom on what turns to be a very long, long journey. And imagine that powerful wind of spirit blowing into the consciousness of the prophets to remind us who and whose we are. And imagine that mighty rush of spirit when the word becomes flesh. It's easier to imagine that mighty rush when Jesus speaks a powerful word against the chaos of the waves. And I feel compelled to share this, and it's bonus material. That when Jesus tells the waves to be still, the nice stained glass picture might have it as, be still. But you know what the Gospel of Mark reads? And it's a little out there. Jesus tells the wind and the waves to shut up. Tie a can to it and stay quiet. Imagine that. And imagine that mighty rush of spirit on a good Friday when the earth begins to tremble and there is a temple curtain ripped from top to bottom. Or imagine on Resurrection Day when the earth shudders again and a stone rolls away. And in the maelstrom, an angel says, don't be afraid, he's risen. And think now about that day of the Festival of Weeks, the Pentecost, where God does what the prophet Joel says will happen where the very stuff and spirit of God is just poured out and breezes into the lives of all flesh. Of all flesh. This imagining leads us places. I hope that on one level, it leads us to the sort of delight that God takes in creation. So as you're golfing, as you're having a cold one out on the back deck, as you're gardening, think about the words that we spoke in unison today. And God saw that it was good. Live with those words, if you will, this week and see what they do, not only for you, but to you. And as these cacophonous voices around us Shriek their chaotic message that some people are more equal than others and that it's okay to discriminate against others. Imagine that spirit of God blowing right in and saying that's not the way it is at all. But instead saying that we are created in the image of God. And even as you look in the mirror, you and all of us God pronounces as good.
I love what the professors of Hebrew say about the word good, tov. It can mean a lot of things. But one of those is more than just, say, God standing and surveying creation and saying, yeah, not bad. Good enough for government work. Instead, God exults and delights and almost does an end zone dance saying, yes, this is good, this is complete, this is it, this is everything. It is a God of exuberance and exultation and delight. Imagine. And may that imagination propel us in how we think, how we speak, how we act, and God willing, might we catch a bit of that spirit of delight? <laughs>